Good morning, YouTube family. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be. Welcome to Happy Crappy Hour on Escape from Crazy Town. I'm going to clean my lens a little bit. I'm not sure why it's kind of blurry this morning. Maybe that helps. I'm not sure. What is going on? There you go. That's a little better. Well, you guys, welcome, welcome to Happy Crappy Hour. So glad to have you coming on. Sorry I'm a little bit late this morning. I was looking, as you can see, Oscar is not with us today. <laughs> I was running around looking for him. We've had, um, let's say, some little children at my house recently, so <laughs> he may have uh, been taken. I don't, I don't know, or at least removed or placed somewhere else, so... We have a new little guy with us today, little Doug. So, <laughs> so welcome again, you guys. Today we're going to talk about the love-hate, the narcissist love-hate relationship. As you, if you were on earlier and were watching, you could see that I was kind of going back and forth about what topic it's going to be this morning. Hey, good morning, John. Um, but after thinking about the comments I've been reading recently. From viewers one theme kind of jumps out at me and that is even though many people recognize many of us recognize how bad the narcissist is we recognize the games they've been playing we recognize that there's definitely something quite wrong and that we've been treated badly and yet we have this soft spot for the narcissist we want to go back. We want them back in our lives or we pine for them. We miss them. So as I'm reading some of the comments, I kind of noticed that, you know, um, and I'm happy to walk viewers through these emotions, by the way, because you have to talk them out. You, you know, they're very confusing. You know, you, you're aware of the facts. You're aware of the facts. You remember the times they mistreated you. You remember them triangulating you with somebody else. You remember them cheating on you. You remember them going back to an ex, right? And then when they're done with that ex, they come back to you, the other ex. This is triangulation. And one of my viewers had shared recently that her ex went back to his ex and then um, tried to get her back telling her how much he loves her, but he says this in front of the other ex, right? So it seems really convincing. It seems like, okay, he's back and forth, the love-hate relationship. He doesn't want her, he wants her. He wants her, he doesn't want her. He wants the other one, he doesn't want the other one. And he keeps going back and forth. And now, sort of like to up the game, to try to prove that he loves the second one, right? The one who's writing to me. Um, he says it in front of the first one, right? He says it in front of the one that he's now leaving, or at least pretending to leave for her. And um, I haven't finished my conversation with her, uh, but I was able to respond back and let her know that it seems like she's being played. She's in a, you know, she's being triangulated. And I think she's aware of this. The thing that we have to remind ourselves is whatever they're saying to you, they're also saying to the other one. They're also saying to the other ex. 
So when he went back to the other ex, he was telling her how much he loved her and that he doesn't love, I'm sorry, he was telling, yeah, and he doesn't love you. So he's telling her he doesn't love you. So so what happens when you think, oh, okay, he's proven it now. He said it to both of us. We were in the same room and he clearly chose one of us, right? So the one that gets chosen thinks for sure he is dumping the other one because he is showing her in front of me and in front of her that he is choosing me. Now, this can happen the other way, too, with a woman woman doing this to her guys. Well, here's the deal. When he's not in front of you and he's meeting up with her later on or runs into her later on, but usually it's, it's a range and he's going to be reaching out to her, he's going to convince her that he only said it for your benefit and he didn't really mean it because he didn't want to hurt your feelings. And, you know, he'll make up some lie like that. And that you're just very delicate or, you know, you were just in a bad, you know, situation that time. And he, he didn't want you to feel worse. So so that's why he said it in front of her. And he'll convince her that he was playing you. Meanwhile, he's playing you both, right? So this this makes me think we need to be talking about this situation. Because if your narcissistic ex tries to convince you, you know, that big hoover happens and it's very easy to fall for all the attention and stuff, right? But you can tell, okay, that's just attention. Anybody can do that. So they, they when they ant, up the ante though, when they make what seems to be a big commitment, they might even buy you, um, you know, an engagement ring and you think, wow, this is a really expensive engagement ring. So that's definitely a commitment. To the narcissist, nothing is set in stone. Nothing. This is why it is always a love-hate relationship with them. It will never be a commitment of love from them. It will simply be whatever they feel in that moment. So be wary of that. Be careful of that. When the narcissist is talking to you, the best way, so you know, so what, what do you do, right? How do you tell? How do you know? Well, what's your rush? right? What's your rush in getting back with the narcissist? If you tell the narcissist or actually set some boundaries and you don't allow them straight into your life, automatically he's your man again or she's your woman again. Um, and you simply are friends, right? You, you're, you're, you're allowing the narcissist to prove themselves. And I'm not saying that you do this for a narcissist. This is when you don't know for sure if this person is a narcissist and you're not sure if this person is sincere. You don't know if this person has matured now and is no longer a jerk and, you know, not necessarily a narcissist. And you want to know how, you know, are they sincere? How do I, how do I know for sure? You don't have to rush. That's the main thing. Don't rush. Narcissists, toxic people, and unstable people are always in a rush. They're always in a rush to start. They're always in a rush to finish. They're always in a rush to get to the next stage. We know that the relationship with a narcissist is a whirlwind. And even if you've had um, a whirlwind re relationship with a narcissist in the past and then they come back again, they expect to pick up exactly where you left off or maybe in the height at the height of your relationship with them 
with all the trust that you had for them, with all the commitment you had for them, with all the loyalty you felt for them. They expect to slide back in and that's where the reset is supposed to happen, is at that high point. Meanwhile, you're thinking, I'm not in that place. I cannot go flat, you know, straight in and flatten myself and allow you to walk all over me again and be okay with that because now you're a different person. But the narcissist is going to assume you're right where they are mentally, right? Psychologically or the toxic person or the unstable person. None of these people are healthy for you. So your best way to combat that is to take things slowly. And unstable, toxic people, narcissists, will not want to wait. You'll watch them too. They'll get antsy. They'll get very anxious. They'll start to accuse. Their their ugliness starts to come back out. So I was just writing to somebody recently that, um, you know, narcissists are, can be really friendly and sociable and kind and so incredibly pleasant, right? Until... You stop believing their lies, right? Until you challenge them by not letting them take full advantage of you, right? And it sounds like, well, how? they take it as a challenge. You're just setting your individual sovereign boundary. And you're saying, I am not you. You do not have control over me. So here are my boundaries. No, you can't just come over whenever you want and call me at all hours of the day, and you can't just insist that my plans are not as important as your plans, so I have to change my plans to accommodate you every time you're available, right? When you set these boundaries, when you don't let them take full advantage of you, you then will no longer see how pleasant they are, how agreeable they are, how fun-loving they are. Suddenly, they become accusatory, right? Suddenly, they start they start projecting their their anger onto you, or their frustration, or or whatever they feel about you, which is not love, right? And they're going to accuse you of not loving them, of not really caring about them, of not um, appreciating them, of not um, being considerate of them when they're the one who's not being considerate of you. You see this love-hate relationship with the narcissist? It doesn't change. It doesn't change. Now, this love-hate is not just them loving and then hating and then loving again. It's also us going in and out, in and out with the narcissist. You know, we're in love with them and then we hate our life or we hate where we are or we hate ourselves. Maybe sometimes we even hate the narcissist, right? And we're like, we can't believe they put us through this pain and we're in just tremendous pain. And then we're back to desiring them again. We're back to wanting them again, maybe even needing them, right, to fulfill or fill a, a hole in our life, this emptiness, and we think we, we need them. We go in and out in this love-hate mentality with them, which is very unstable for everyone. Not only do we know it's unstable for them, but it is a very hard place for us to be if we want to have structure, stability, and consistency, and even success in our life. We forego all of those things 
if we keep up this charade, this crazy dance with them. Yes, exactly, Monique. They are like a hot mess. And Warfor, good to see you. Oh, who's this? Rye Shines, good morning. Yes, Monique. They are a hot mess. Now, the problem is when they make us a hot mess with them, right? They engage us, they pull us into their crazy world, and they have us on this roller coaster ride. And we don't realize it, but it spills over into our other life, our other parts of our life too, possibly our work life, possibly our, our relationships with our family, possibly our relationships with our friends. And this is where the narcissist doesn't care. Have you noticed that when you have had a conversation with the narcissist to let them know how what they do is straining and hurting your relationship, say maybe with your parents or with your siblings or with your best friend? And the narcissist is going to be like, I don't care. I don't care. Because their primary focus and their primary concern is themselves. So you're always going to have this love, hate back and forth with the narcissist. Now, I'm not saying that normal relationships don't have ups and downs. They do. But it should be more stable than that. It should be um, that it's give and take. You know, that you can tell that the other one is in it for the long haul. They've done a really great job um, caring for you and caring about the people that love you. And, and actually, you can watch how they are, how they interact with others. They're the same with everyone. They don't change like a chameleon depending on who they're around, right? They're going to be the same with everyone no matter what station in life they are. And that's how you want to choose your partner, someone of quality, someone of character. So you guys, we are on this topic because we were, um, one of my viewers also was mentioning a show called, um, I think it's called The Betty Broderick Story, but it's about, so one, a couple or a few episodes, I don't even know how they did it or Betty Broderick, or maybe one was a Betty Broderick. And then um, then they did another one on, oh, what's his name? Oh, I cannot even remember him now. Sorry, you guys, it was on the tip of my tongue. But uh, this other guy, Dirty John, that's right. It was Dirty John. And I don't know if it was this, the series, or what do you call it, the, the mini-series? I think it was the... Um, documentary that I had watched on each of them. I guess they also did a, a mini series. And oh my gosh, I did watch a documentary on Betty Broderick. And then I watched the mini series on Betty Broderick. And I saw how they really tried hard to make her seem like the normal, a normal average person like you and me, right? They try to make her seem like, you know, anybody in her place would have done what she did. And that is sickening to me because there are people out there who believe that what she did was justified. You guys, it is not justified. This is what it looks like to go off the deep end. This is what a narcissist looks like. And there are people to this day insisting that she was not a narcissist. Now, we don't know that her husband was or wasn't. He probably was. Um, we don't know... The full background on him, we, we know some things enough that probably he was. But here you have it. You have two, possibly, narcissists. 
and you have one that lost, right? One that lost the game. So of course the one that lost the game is gonna go ballistic. There was never going to be two winners when two narcissists get in, get together, okay? And in this case, both lost. That I think is the case in uh, for most relationships where there are two narcissists. There's always gonna be two losses because narcissists do not, you know, it's hard to say that they don't ever succeed. They will never succeed um, in love, right? They will never succeed in truly loving a person and truly having that deep soul to soul connection. They have fleeting moments, right, with people and you think it's a soul to soul connection. But it's not. It's actually infatuation. It's passion. It's a very heightened emotional hormone, hormonic, or what do you call it? Yeah, hormonal response to each other. But it is not a spiritual, deep relationship. All right, you guys. I wanted to start off with that. See what you guys have to say about some of this. And then we will... We'll continue this conversation. They are like a hot mess. Yes. Ryshine says, ex-narc always sabotaged the relationship. Exactly. And this is why they don't win. You think they're winning because it looks like they have new supply or it looks like they got a promotion or it looks like they moved on with their life. But it just doesn't matter, you guys. The depth of their relationships is nothing. And most of the time, these narcissists are addicted to something, right? They are not loyal to any one thing. They are not loyal to their boss. They're not loyal to their their employees. They're not loyal to their partners. They're not loyal even to their children. They are just not loyal people. So they will move from person to person. And just because the person they're with right now, it seems like things are going well, it's not going to continue to go because that is not the way the narcissist is. Ah, okay. So uh, Monique says about, let me see. Oh, okay. Soon, she's soon to get off this merry-go-round. That's my husband. I call Dirty Willie. Oh, Monique, I think it might have been you who mentioned that. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, you know. And I do recommend getting off that merry-go-round. I'm sorry to say, I mean, if even in a marriage, say it's you're not married to a narcissist, they need to make some concessions, right? They need to go to therapy with you. They need to see their part in it. And I kind of wonder about relationships where when a couple goes to therapy and yet you know, the one really wants things to work, right? You, it's most, if you're the one in the, going to therapy with your ex or with your current person, partner, you're the one who really wants things to work. But it always seems like there's always one partner, not always, I'm sorry, um, with a narcissist or with a toxic person or with pretty much an immature jerk, right? They don't seem to be interested. They don't seem... Like, you know, they'll, they'll go for the socialization. They'll go because you're paying somebody to listen to them. And they love that. They love the attention. They love having someone sitting there 
hanging on every one of their words. Uh, and they especially love when the therapist or counselor is taking their side, right? And, and admonishing you, admonish, admonishing their partner who brought them to therapy. <laughs> they love airing dirty laundry that makes their partner look bad so that the therapist will take their side. Now, when their partner tries to air their dirty laundry, right, the, the narcissist's dirty laundry tries to pinpoint, the narcissist is so well-groomed and prepared in manipulation that they're going to do the same thing to the therapist that they've been doing to you. The same thing they've been doing to your family and all those, their flying monkeys and their fan club. And sad to say, a lot of therapists miss this. I think that a lot of therapists, you know, some of the ones I know, miss this. They are stuck. They cannot um, see the truth either. They're, you know, and then, and then the, the same person, the person who brought the couple in, who wanted to fix the relationship, they end up on one side and then the narcissist and the therapist are on the other side. Be careful of that because narcissists know how to turn things and twist things. But here's the deal. Try to stick with just what the therapist is giving you as far as exercises to do, right? Um, and keep a record. Keep a log. Keep a notebook. <laughs> and actually write down when you did the, your part, when the narcissist did his or her part, when you messed up, when the narcissist messed up. You want to keep a log of all of that so that you can bring it to the therapist. Because a lot of times, by the time you get to the therapist, you're going to forget. You're going to forget what happened, who did what, how many times. But the narcissist won't. The narcissist is keeping track, <laughs> by the way. The narcissist is going to be ready to, to dispel anything that you say. But you'll have some proof. You'll have some dates. You'll have some actual uh, details about what happened. So that way, the, the therapist would be a better, would be better equipped at helping. Well, you guys, but in a love-hate relationship with a narcissist, it's, you know, one day the, the, the narcissist is going to make it seem like they're all lovey-dovey with you in front of the therapist. And the therapist is thinking, well, things are looking good. But then as soon as you leave, the narcissist is yelling at you, right? As soon as you leave, the narcissist is complaining about something you said during the session. The narcissist is putting you down and berating you. And you're like, what the heck? We just left the therapy, the therapy session holding hands and looking like we did, you know, we connected and we got some work done. You guys, this is why... I'm not fully thrilled about therapists. And I'll tell you another thing, by the way, is therapists also have their hands tied. They are not allowed to bring up certain things, even if they see it in the relationship. They are not allowed to bring it up. Um, they have to be very indirect if they do try to bring it up. They have to be so careful because they could get sued. That's the other thing, you guys. So it's hard to get... A true, true counseling when you're going to someone who's certified. 
which is crazy, right? Because you would think, no, a certified person would be the best person. I'm not saying that certified people are not equipped or um, able. They absolutely are. But they're held to a, a legal standard that they have to abide by. That's why I think it's kind of interesting because I've gone back and forth about this. You know, what's better, a life coach or a therapist? And I'm thinking, you know, a life coach, you have to be careful there too. But if you're not seeing results with a life coach, you fire them, right? <laughs> like if your life is not improving week by week, month by month, then you just get rid of them. But with a therapist, for some reason, things just drag on and on and on. And you hide things from the therapist and you don't really full bring in the full story or at least the narcissist doesn't and and the therapist doesn't get the full picture with a life coach what are you hiding like if you hide anything from your life coach you're not going to get anything right a life coach can't tell you what you can do and what you can, they can tell you but if you're not doing it then it's on you right with a therapist they're listening but they may be giving you advice based on a lie they might be giving you advice based on the narcissist version of things. So it may actually hurt your relationship more. It may actually stunt your relationship. It may actually stagnate you. It may actually make empower the narcissist actually through the sessions to now get you to do things that they're, they're manipulating the, the therapist to make you do in the relationship. So you guys, be careful of that when you're going to therapy with a narcissist. But what I'm saying is when you know you need work in your relationship and the narcissist is not willing to do it, it's not willing to seek help in some way, maybe, you know, the, I wonder, you guys, um, I haven't really looked into this, but what about life coaching for couples? Why, why does life coaching have to be only for individuals? I think life coaching can happen for couples. And if the couple is not willing to be completely open about things and both of them talking about what careers or what future they each want to have and then have a life coach come alongside them so that their careers or their futures would actually blend rather than separate them. Anyway, I think that, you know, getting advice, getting input from others is a really good idea. But a lot of times, narcissists do not want other people telling them what to do. They do not want to invite somebody else in to possibly, um, they'll look at it as controlling them. They don't want somebody else having any control over their decisions. So that is a huge red flag that you are not getting off the merry-go-round if the narcissist refuses to get any help. Well, you guys, this is somewhat of a short conversation today. Because I just wanted to get that out there. I wanted to make sure you are aware that this love-hate relationship could possibly pull you into the same cycle that the narcissist is in. But beware of that. Be aware that if that happens, you need to stop. You need to stop this merry-go-round. You need to stop and reevaluate. You need to bring somebody else in and, and help you evaluate if you can't see straight. But a lot of times... Our love-hate for the narcissist pulls us back in and we are resistant towards getting advice. We're resistant from hearing from the people who've been warning us, this is not a good idea. This is a bad relationship. Don't go there. Don't take the narcissist back. We want it so bad 
so badly that we don't listen to the people who love us. So we also get pulled into this love, desire, you know, passion for the narcissist. And we don't let go, even though we know we're going to regret it, even though we know they've been playing us, even though we know that they're not changing. And we're not imposing any of the boundaries on them, right? We're not enforcing it. What good is a law when there's no enforcement, right? Same thing with a boundary. If there, you can have a boundary, but if there's no enforcement, no, no consequence, then there's really no boundary, right? I, I, I <laughs> think about it. You have a boundary, you have a border, you create a line, you draw, right? On a piece of land between you and your neighbor. But your neighbor doesn't, doesn't recognize that line because it's invisible. And you have no consequence, though, every time they throw a party and it, their party lands in your yard, right? And they tear up your yard. But, you know, after the party, you go, you go in and you clean up the, your own yard of their trash. You don't complain to the neighbor. You don't say anything to the neighbor. But you try to remind them, hey, you know, this is my yard. And they're like, yeah, thanks for letting me use it. If you don't enforce that this is your yard and you put up a fence or you put up some consequence of them coming into your yard, like charging them money to clean up your yard after they've come in, um, nothing's going to change, right? Then there's really no boundary. Boundaries without enforcement, boundaries without consequences are no boundaries at all. So this applies to physical boundaries and this applies to psychological boundaries, you guys. Remember that um, when you're trying to make sense of this world, when you're trying to decide, you know, figure out what's, you know, to live your life consistently, you have to hold on to certain truths. And this is an absolute truth. A law is not a law unless there is enforcement. Unless you're like, well, well, then a law is just a set of words of wishful thinking. <laughs> okay. A law, if you look up the definition, is actually a rule that when broken has consequences. But people like to say nowadays, yeah, you know, the, all these laws are there, but um, they use these double standards or they're hypocrites and they, you know, we don't want to be there. Narcissists do that. Narcissists are complete hypocrites. They set up rules, right? And then they expect you to follow the rules but they don't have to follow the rules. They only see when you break the rules and there have to be consequences when you break the rules. But when they break the rules, it was just a mistake. It was an accident. They don't have to pay a consequence. Now you have to apply this to all of your life, this consistency, if you want to not have crazy town rule your life. If you don't want to have the love, hate, psycho craziness take over your, your life, you have to live a consistent life and a life with actual rules, actual enforcement, actual boundaries. But that includes for you, right? Whatever you don't want to happen to your, you know, I had another, um, another viewer that I'm in conversation with. And I want, I told her that, you know, imagine, cause she can't, she seems to be having a hard time letting go of the ex. Right? And she's aware, though, that he's, he's going between her and somebody else. But she does, it, the way she worded it, it sounded to me like she was not ready to give him up yet. Even though he had dumped her, gone back to the other ex, and he's going back and forth. He's the one triangulating, right? 
but she's not ready to let go because she's convinced herself that there are still good things to be had in their relationship. But here's the deal. Would she want that kind of relationship with her child? Like for her child? If she has a child, I don't know. You know, or if she doesn't have a child, would she want that kind of relationship with her for her best friend or for someone she cares about dearly? Say it's her mother or her father or her brother, right? Is it something that she wish would happen to them? Because if it's not, why is she allowing it to happen to her? So here's this double standard, the inconsistency, the hypocrisy that victims of narcissists tend to go along with. They will allow the narcissist or relationships that they get into um, become so toxic, so bad, so abusive towards them, and yet they'll be so fiercely protective of somebody else that they love, right? So so they don't have problems holding somebody else to consequences who's hurting someone they love, right? They don't have a problem having consequences for someone who's, who's taking advantage of their child, who's taking advantage of their brother or sister or maybe parents. They will stand up for them. But for themselves, they allow a narcissist to hurt them. They allow the narcissist to take advantage of them and cheat on them and go back and forth with this love, hate, love, hate, love, hate, continually triangulating them. And they're confused. So do you guys kind of see the boundaries that you set in your life have to be consistent? They should be consistent for people you love, meaning boundaries that are good for the people who you love, meaning you wouldn't allow bad things to happen to the people you love. Now those same boundaries should be there for you, right? That if things are bad things are happening to you, you should have boundaries that stop it. That say, hey, there's a consequence to someone treating me this badly. And that consequence is you get out. Why is it so easy that we can call it for somebody else, right? We can tell our best friend, you need to tell him to get out. You need to tell her, you know, she's not allowed to do that to you anymore. She, you know, she cheated on you. She's gone. But when it comes to you and your relationships, you allow it to happen. And I'm not saying that you all are allowing this to happen. I'm saying we have to watch that because it's really easy for us to be so empathetic, so concerned for others, so caring and loving of others that we put ourselves last all the time. And by the way, the culture right now, it seems like they're trying to convince you you guys, we are being run by a bunch of freaking narcissists that are telling us to always put ourselves last. Put our country last, put us last, put put everything you love last. Because other people, you should put first. Because if you're a good person, you're going to put other people first. That's what they're telling you. Don't believe that lie. Because, you know, empathetic people will actually believe that. Because they have a big heart. Empathetic people will believe that, well, it's true, I should, I should be more humble, I should put myself last, I should care about other people, I should take care of them, look at their needs, you know, doesn't matter how much, how little I have and how much they have, uh, I should still care more about them, them and their happiness. You know, take a look at that from the outside, that looks insane. Now think about 
when it's happening to the people you love, when they are imposing these rules or whatever you want to call it, this psychopathy onto people that you love and telling the people that you love to give up everything they have or their rights or their freedoms or their what you know opportunities in their life so that somebody else can have it no matter even though the people that you love are not doing that great or scratching by working you know two jobs or working 60 hours a week just to try to save up enough money to to go go out once in a while you know to just pay the bills to get a car that works and doesn't break down all the time and yet the narcissist will tell these people you still owe other people you still have to put yourself last because when you put your and then you're looking at the narcissist and they're all freaking millionaires they're all freaking living in mansions and not just one by the way right they're all they've all got security <laughs> and then they're telling you you don't need security you you don't need to be taken care of and they may throw money at you actually and say this is how I'm taking care of you man they act so much like a narcissist right now narcissists will throw money at you rather than actually have a relationship with you and a lot of times I hate to say it but a lot of times people get sucked into a relationship with a narcissist because they think the narcissist is going to take care of them financially they think the narcissist cares about them because the narcissist is spending a lot of money on them and they think money equals love but for a narcissist nothing equals love by the way it's all a calculated business agreement or a business action they're going to profit from this one way or another <laughs> so we have to be very wary of that it is never a love relationship with a narcissist and that's why for us it feels like this love hate back and forth all the time because we're trying to try, trying to convince ourselves that this narcissist actually loves us when they do certain things right when they behave certain ways and we think they're being loving but actually they're making an investment this is a business decision that they're making anytime you're in a relationship with a narcissist it is always a business agreement it is never actually a relationship and it's a terrible business agreement by the way it's one of those business agreements where you are last and they are first you will you always have to put yourself last and they will, will decide once in a while to be gracious enough to bring you up to their level so that you can enjoy some of their whatever it is that they have right if it's money if it's access if it's fun if it's a trip they'll bring you up into to their world where you get to enjoy some of the benefits of their world and then when they're done with that though they push you back they're like now you go back to where you were you put yourself last you need to take care of me you are never ever first for them but they do expect you to put them first <laughs> so you guys it is just absolute insanity in a narcissist world well i just wanted to share all of that if you guys have any comments about <laughs> i see a lot of thumbs up going up while i was saying those things and if you don't want to talk and i understand a lot of people don't want to have um their identity revealed but they like to listen in and hear some of the information what i'm saying to you is 
be consistent in your life with boundaries. You know, when you have boundaries in the small things, you should also have boundaries in the big things. And that even includes in policies, right? That affect your life, that affect your employment, that affect your uh, freedoms. You want to be consistent. If you think it's appropriate to have boundaries where a person can't hurt another person, then you need to have those same boundaries uh, town-wide, city-wide, state-wide. You need to be consistent with that in your thinking, right? So when you're thinking about how you want to live your life, you want to also think about in what kind of world do you want to live. You want to live in an inconsistent, crazy town where up is down and down is up and um, it's opinions that run the world rather than actual consistency of rule and law and enforcement and consequences. If you don't believe in any of those things, then you are going to live in a crazy town. You are going to create a crazy world around you. And nothing is going to feel safe because you're not enforcing any of these structures, any of this consistency in your life. Well, you guys, I know I kind of got off on the consistency thing. I just wanted to share that. And although we are a little bit early today, or about to, um, that's about all I wanted to say, so I didn't want to drag it on. I will let you guys go. And I wanted to say thank you for showing up. I will, I'm trying to think. I was thinking about starting another live on an evening, so watch out for that. I'm thinking it will be on Tuesday nights, so keep your eye out for that. And I'm thinking maybe we'll keep these um, chats a little bit shorter too, just so we can get to the point, because I know a lot of times people are like, just please get to the point. So I would like to do that and give these teachings quick. But if there is conversation going on and you guys want to continue in conversation, I'll keep the live stream going for as long as you guys want. So just wanted to share that with you. Thank you so much for showing up today. I appreciate you guys so much. Be safe out there and always let love lead the way. Always lead with love. You know, don't allow yourself to get into this love-hate back and forth with the narcissist because it will spill over into your other relationships and it will affect your other relationships. You always want to walk in love and kindness, okay? We don't want to be in a horrible, foul mood and taking it out on other people. And I know if you're tempted um, because you're having a really rough day because the narcissist treated you badly or something like that, deal with it um, in a way that's constructive, right? That's good for you. That helps you to stop the person that's hurting you. Now, and don't project it onto somebody else throughout the day, right? Don't be rough or rude or mean with other people. And I think people are getting a lot better about that, by the way. I, I'm hoping they are. Um, and call out people who are being rude. <laughs> like, geez, you know, you're a bitter person. And it may wake them up to it. It may shock them into being aware of what they're doing. So, you guys, I know you guys are wonderful, though. So, go out there. Have a great day. Take care of yourselves. But be kind and have structure and have consequences when people are out of line, okay? When people are out of line, just let them know that you're not going to accept it. So blessings to you guys. Have a great week, and I will see you next week.